Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Read the Room podcast. I'm Chandler. And I'm Alyssa. And this is the podcast where we talk about books, relationships, and relationships in books. It sure is. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about Carrie Soto is Back by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which, uh, spoiler alert, is Chandler and my favorite book of the core four. It's not really much of a spoiler. <laughs> I know. We've been talking about it all the other books. It's like at the Maybe. very end of Carrie Soto, like there's a little line like, by the way, this uh-huh. is... It's funny. <laughs> it's funny though because like I've been listening to a lot of different podcasts and I've been listening watching a lot of TikToks. Carrie Soto is not a fan favorite and we loved it. Like I don't understand how people don't love it as much as we love it. It's because we're both such jocks at heart. <laughs> yeah, that's us. Honestly, I think that that might be For you. why Carrie Soto is uh, a bit polarizing in the TJR community. Really? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, it is a sports story, and it, it focuses on the sports story way more than it does anything else. I don't really like sports. I'm not a sports gal. I have played tennis with you, actually. Oh, God, In yeah. In Calgary, we yeah. played. Uh, what's a book that you're reading or have recently read that you'd like to touch on? Yeah, so I actually just finished this morning a book called You Again by Kate... It's by Kate Goldbeck. Um, it was a book of the month put pick in case you guys don't know book of the month it's a monthly subscription and it just came to Canada last year and it's epic this is not sponsored I just really love book of the month um not that we have any sponsors ever because we have no episodes out as of right now well, one day. <laughs> but soon. the joke is we keep talking about being sponsored and we don't even have an episode out. I don't know if you had to explain that to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, because this, because anyways, it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, so you again, um, the best way to explain you again is it's a retelling of Harry Met Sally, except for the main protagonist, Josh. He is like um, Carmi from The Bear. If anyone's seen The Bear on HBO, um, but he looks like Adam Driver. So it's like a fan ficky vibe of like Kylo Ren and Daisy Ridley. What is her character's name? Star Wars. I want to say Ray. No, he's oh. Kylo Ren. She's Ray. Oh, wait. It is Ray. So it's like okay. Kylo Ren and Ray. That's who like, the, but it's when Harry met Sally, but also it's like a lot of, I'm throwing a lot of things at you, but put those three ingredients together and you'll get this book you again. Um, I was really hesitant to read it um, and I didn't want to pick it with my book of the month in September because the reviews were so polarizing. They were like one stars and five stars. So I was like, okay, it's giving normal people like people either love it or absolutely hate it and I was like I'm just gonna take a risk and I'm gonna try it so naturally I'm one of those people who absolutely loved it but it's a contemporary romance book except for it doesn't follow the same typical cookie cutter oh my god I punched the mic cookie cutter (laughs) um formula that like contemporary romance usually follows it's like it's very true to what it's actually like to date in 2023 so they make mistakes they fuck up they're they have their own mental health issues it's like very accurate so and there's times where you don't like any of the characters that they're like annoying you but that's genuinely life for me so I feel like I don't know I just feel like those books are more authentic but when an author has the audacity to write what real life relationships are like people are like throwing fists in the reviews on Goodreads which I find just so interesting but this book in my opinion is excellent Um, I think everyone should read it it's also 
gave me and i haven't heard anyone say this yet but it gave me if anyone's ever seen Shit's creek how not Shit's creek itself but how they, they touched on lgbtqa plus in that storyline it wasn't like a conflict that needed like a resolution in the storyline it was like they didn't use that as a conflict like um he had to overcome bully people bullying him because he was you know there was no story like that it's just a fact she is bisexual the main character and it's just and then just move on like there was no there was nothing around it there was no like jealousy there was no issues there was nothing it's just like it's a part of the book I'm not doing very good at describing books today I'm just going off in circles but I mean, you should read that's why we got a podcast <laughs> you should read I had to turn around to remember the book name because I have such a bad memory you again by Kate Goldback. that sounds very interesting <laughs> nice <laughs> it is you should, i actually think it would be a good book to talk about on here at some point but just not yet yeah speaking of good books to talk about on here um what smooth transition oh thank you um one of the books i read recently is tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow Ooh, that's a good one yeah by gabrielle zevin yeah it's um, a woman it sure is i thought it was a man like by the name or by reading the book or just that it's like about video games and that's been like a male dominated industry for so long i think because ready player one is like the closest comparison to me and that was written by a man i don't know i think i just read it and went that's a man because the one other (laughs) video game book (laughs) yes thank you yeah well this one was not um and it is lovely and so so good and i'm sure that we're going to talk about it we have to at some point but i'm just jumping the gun because i want to talk about myself but it's about chan it's about the video game developers (laughs) and how they started and you basically follow them from their childhoods into their like not like late adulthood but you know their 40s yeah you follow their relationship which is very interesting too because it remains like quite platonic um all the way through and yeah there's like some well, we don't do spoilers here yeah, never. <laughs> on, the, on the intro stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, it, like it's a it's a friendship first and foremost, um, but it is topsy-turvy. I mean, there's decades worth of um, drama and uh, situations. And my goodness, though, there's one part of that book where I cried like I haven't in years. Oh, what part? Now I want to know. Well, I'm not going to spoil things. Remember. Tell I, me after. I feel like... People who have read the book should probably know the part. Can't remember. Oh man, yeah, it was um, it was a lot, and it was great, and it was definitely a five star for me. And I felt when I was reading the book that, and I know we keep talking about our rating systems, but it was the kind of book where I was like, I'm so glad that I am stingy with my five stars, or like where my five stars are rare, because this book is so far above so many other books that I do enjoy and thought were very well written and like would otherwise have been five stars if it wasn't for uh, them not having that extra something. It just really hit me, that book. So go read tomorrow times three. I remember the sad part now. I literally Googled it. I had to. Yeah, you know. I do know. Right? And, and yeah. you're, it makes sense. Yeah. That checks out. So with, uh, with that bumming things out being sad, Oh, man. <laughs> Just kidding. Alyssa's leaning her head against the microphone. Uh, did I even start our video? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah, I did too. Okay, Um. Excellent. So, yeah, go check out those two books. But also, I mean, I hope you've checked out Carrie Soto is back, baby. Yeah. Because we're spoiling all of it. 
Okay, so I'll give a little synopsis of Carrie. So it's by the time Carrie retires from tennis, she is the best player in the the world has ever seen. She has shattered every record and claimed 20 slam titles. And if you ask her, she is entitled to everyone. She f- sacrificed nearly everything to become the best with her father as her coach. But six years after her retirement, Carrie finds herself sitting in the stands of the 1994 U.S. Open watching her record being taken from her by a brutal, stunning British player named Nikki Chan. At 37 years old, well, that Nikki Chan. Yeah, at 37 years old, Carrie makes the monumental decision to come out of retirement and be coached by her father for one last year in an attempt to reclaim her record. Even if the sports media says that they never liked the battle axe, that was her nickname. God, anyways, that's such a cool nickname. Uh, even if her body doesn't move as fast as it did, and even if it, if it means swallowing her pride to train with a man she once almost opened her heart to, but. Huntley. Like her, he has something to prove before he gives up the game forever. And that was the little synopsis I took from Goodreads. Carrie Soto's back! Let's go. We've been referencing this book in the three past Taylor Jenkins Reads episodes that we've done. And if you haven't um, listened to those, Mm -hmm. I mean, do so eventually, but maybe stick around here because this is going to be the best of them all because we both love Carrie Soto and it's it's both of our favorites. Yeah. What did you think of the book, like, in total? And and what did you rate it? I also gave it five stars. I gave this one five stars. You better have. Yeah, absolutely I did. (laughs) Because it it just... And maybe it's the fact that I've been in sports all my life and just that that jock in me. But, man, what a sports story. Carrie is also just so fun and mean and, like... Is she mean, though? Oh, she's so mean all the time. I don't think she's mean. I think she just is Carrie. She's just her, and she's unapologetically herself. And it, in this society, it comes across as mean for a woman to be that way. But she's never actually out. She's never done anything mean. Like, she's not pushing other players or being like, you're a piece of shit. Uh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Wait, she does have times where she's like, even at a young age, she's like, get better. <laughs> she like does Yeah, that, she's so blunt, mean. sure. And I yes, obviously. Like, she's I'm, honest. I'm sure that like she takes more flack for it as a woman. Yeah. Um, I just don't know if she's, if means the right word. They named her the battle axe. I fucking love it. Um, so Carrie, obviously, you loved her. Um, love her. She's alive, I assume, in our hearts. Um, she didn't die in the our book. Our hearts, our minds, um, our thoughts. <laughs> what do you think of Carrie? Like, if if she was a famous tennis player right now, would you love her as oh, much as? Like, I don't watch tennis, and oh I feel God. like if a Carrie Soto came around, especially her comeback yeah, time, I'd be so into it. Yeah. Because like it's it's got the underdog factor, it's got the comeback factor, it's got like the uh, like a big world record uh, championship factor. It, yeah, it had so much more than most sports stories ever even give you. It's like oh yes, yeah. there's the big game, but no, this is like legacy. It. And a lot of people, wait, I can't have I already talked about it here. That a lot of people hated this book. Now we talked. No, not not in this episode. We oh, talked okay. about it at the end of last last episode to tease to lead yeah. people into this one. Yeah. So I to prepare for us starting a podcast. I listened to a lot of podcasts and I listened to a lot of podcasts about books, and it was really interesting to me because I listened to quite a few about Carrie Soto and people just hate this book. Like it's so funny to hear them be like that they hated it. They hated the back and forth tennis. They hated that so much of the book was tennis. Whereas I. 
I loved that. And I'm not a sports girly. So like I was shocked how much I genuinely adored the game aspect of it and the competitive nature of it. I thought it was so good. And Chan, I think, yeah, you really loved this one, obviously, as well. Yeah. And like I'm. You I'm are not, sportsy, though. I am sportsy, and I'm, I mean, I, I read contemporary romance novels. Yeah, right, you do. But it was, maybe that is why of the Taylor Jenkins Reads books, this is the one that I gave that coveted five star to. Also, it was just excellent writing. Yeah. Yeah, and but I can understand why for people who exclusively read contemporary romances. Yeah. It might be like this isn't well, the book. Technically, this that... isn't really contemporary romance. We I know, talked about I know. that, but still, yeah, you're right. But I feel like people who do read contemporary romance will read Taylor Jenkins Reid because she does a great job. And then it is sportsy. And she has written contemporary romance, right? Like totally. everything pre the core four yeah. that we've talked about on this podcast so far uh, were contem- like straight up contemporary romance. Yeah. So she carries with her such a readership into her historical fiction side of things yeah so they're not being very much romance in this at all oh there's so much romance in this and i well, love there it is so but it's not it's spicy def- romance and it's definitely not at the forefront the forefront no. is her love of the game yeah maybe. her relationship with tennis is the biggest relationship in the book for sure yeah <laughs> and her relationship with tennis her dad's relationship to tennis her and, and her dad's relationship with each and other and, and Bo's relationship and then Bo's relationship to tennis and Bo's relationship with her dad there's like a lot but before we jump into all of those I think we should talk about the fact that this book is missing a relationship it's Carrie's relationship with her mother because her mother died when she was a baby And so I wanted to touch on that because even from a young age, Carrie was alone, alone, that sounded weird, but she was with Javier, her dad, and Javier loved tennis and he told her that she was going to be the greatest player of all time from a very, very young age. And she believed it and it actually created this like dynamic of her needing to be the best. Does the mother have a name? I hate... The mother? I hate just I not know, having I a name for remember. the dead mother. I know, I forget. Well, um, Carrie. Carrie's mother. I feel like in the absence of Carrie's mom, the two remaining, Javier and Carrie, almost not replaced her, but filled a bit of a void with tennis because well, they, they went in so hard on it. And yeah, Javier was already like big into tennis, but yeah. here's a way for me and my daughter to you know, get past... They connected over tennis and it kept them close, for sure. Yeah, but to do so at such a level, to be so dedicated, I feel like it kind of had to be a little bit more than just the love of tennis. And I think it was kind of in the absence of totally uh, the mom and both of them going through that. They can they can channel They made it their entire energy. personality almost as like a child growing and up. And we'll get there, but I feel like Javier realized later like that was a mistake. We shouldn't have been like so Yeah, was the drive healthy? That's that. a really yeah. good question. Because uh, yeah, like for sure that drive inevitably inevitably became the downfall between Carrie and Javier's relationship her first time around going for the title of best tennis player i don't remember the actual title but um the very best that no one ever was yeah i think it was beating the slam records or something i can't remember how it's like number one like yeah there's there's like rankings so number one in the world 
Yeah, I think because before Nikki Chan, there was somebody else. Stepakova. Step, st- the name is coming to me. Yeah. So you know what I'm trying to say? It oh, was, I can't remember her nickname. Uh, it but was like Stepak. And it was the girl who kept hurting herself and then Carrie forced her to keep playing. This was like her first time around um, before Nikki Chan. And um, this one chick, I think it's Stepanova. I yeah. think that's honestly the name. She, I think that is the actual name of yeah. an actual <laughs> tennis player. Probably. Okay, let's just look uh, this up. Yeah, you look it up while I say this. But anyway, okay. so she was going against Stepanova for that title, and she could never get it with Javier as her coach. So she ended up taking on a new coach that wasn't her dad, which completely destroyed her relationship with her father that she had built. And then her dad warned her out of a father place saying, Hey, don't sign with this guy. Essentially. Like it's, you need to be careful of your knees as you're aging. And the dad was right. She ended up doing all this stuff with this new trainer and pushing herself so she could beat Stepanova. And she um, ended up fucking up her knee, which is why she had to retire. It is Paulina Stepanova. I was right. Oh my God, I'm a genius. I didn't even have that in my notes. I'm just so fucking smart. Um, But yeah, her drive, I don't think it was very healthy. I think that Javier Javier is the exact opposite of Mick Riva as a father. If if we're going to reference our last podcast, Malibu Rising, in the previous book in the core four, um, Mick Riva was so hands-off and he he was the exact opposite kind of father as Javier was so there at every part of Carrie's life and only wanted what like wanted her to be happy in the end and wanted her to be successful um I just thought that was a really interesting dynamic between parents yeah we love we love Javier oh I love Javier Lars Vandenberg was the coach from the late 1970s who would get her jumping a bit more, which yeah. was bad for those knees, Carrie. You know, it was how she was landing. It was how she was... He had her... It was a certain way he she was uh, tweaked her serve that had her landing on certain cements because mm-hmm. some courts were different, if you remember. Oh, and I loved oh. how like there was a different dynamic for the different court style oh my god so ah. good because she was like good on certain courts it was like the red or something which she was the like clay, the I clay the clay yeah. clay yeah the red ones um yeah uh also side note while we're talking about all of these dynamics another relationship i just quickly want to touch on is carrie's relationship with other athletes carrie had no fucking time to make friends with the other athletes and i'm just curious why do you think that is like she had no friends and and they were all sort of friends in the like world championship or whatever you're calling it. Like they all knew each other and then they just called her the battle axe and that she didn't even talk to them. I do wonder if it was her thinking that it gave her a bit of an edge where everyone's being like too nice to each other. So like on the courts, you might be a little less uh, ruthless and she knows that she needs to be ruthless. But I, I do also think maybe it is just her personality in a way like i think that she never really had much of a ability to get along with people very well and that's that's fair you know some people um aren't uh quite as charismatic just off the jump yeah and i think honestly i think it might have been a way of uh you know keeping walls up or defending herself because i think that she knew she would have had a hard time making friends even if she were trying to make friends and be nice and mm-hmm. and all that because again like that just isn't really who she is so she also didn't want to like be fake or come across no, as there fake. was no fakeness in her she couldn't be so fake. i think that she just leaned into uh leaned into the battle axe side of things yeah i think like with her too she 
and I think this is a testament, obviously, to TJR's writing of women just in general, is she wrote Carrie Soto like the most successful male tennis player, Mm -hmm. where he is there to play tennis, not to make friends, and nobody would question that. And there was like, um, there was a quote from the book. She says something like, no matter how good I was on the court, I was never good enough for the public. It wasn't enough to play play nearly perfect tennis I had to do that but also be charming and the charm had to appear effortless no man would ever feel that way if they were the best in the world to like get along with the other people to get along with the sportscaster and she was portrayed I feel like Taylor wrote her to be exactly like how a man would react to being the best in the world that's how that's what I think but I don't know actually for sure but that sort of what I took from it. Yeah, I think that might have actually been in there at some point, too. Especially really? when it came to Bo Huntley, which I know that we'll get into a little bit more. Yeah. Where he, you know, he he would flare up. He'd uh, show his temper. He oh, would, yeah, he had such a temper. And it was normal. And I think I remember Carrie Soto being like, oh, my, if I were to ever, like, smash my racket, it would mm-hmm. be this huge, oh my God, intense so, thing. Yeah. But at the same time that Carrie Soto is worried about all that she also is worried about like showing her emotion in the other regard of like being overly happy or excited or crying on the court after winning yeah she's like stifling all emotion in a way yeah so to everyone it feels like here's it's oppressive like she said yeah. yeah but again like i think that that does come from a place of knowing that the the media the tennis world as a whole like, the game is so different for her than it would be for Bo Huntley. You're right, though. It does say it in the book. It says, why do I have to be nice when most men aren't? She, like, actually quotes that and asks that in the book because nobody liked her because she wasn't nice. But why? Men aren't. She shouldn't yeah. have to be. Uh, I just loved it. Okay, what did you think of Bo and Carrie's relationship? I thought it was nice. I thought it was... <laughs> nice. Yeah, it Cute. Was, I thought it was nice. It wasn't even the best part of the book, and that no, was the romance not. part. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that, like, that's, the, that's the whole but point, But they though, started right? like, as... It was very much enemies to lovers, because they had hooked up in the past, her first time around, didn't they? They'd hooked up, and then there was, like, a miscommunication. Yeah. And let's go back to Carrie's first... I mean, you're saying first time around, but really, it, it was, like, her main... Uh, yeah, like her, her it, not her comeback, her regular. Yeah, yeah her regular season, her career. Her career, yeah. yeah. Her, it's hard to word though. It how is, to say that, that. Is, yeah. that is true. Um, and I feel like with Bo and with other men that Carrie was was with during that time, yeah, she kept those walls up the same as she did on the court, not showing emotion. Well, she shut it down before it even had a chance. He he corrected her later, and he was like, "No, I wanted your number, and I wanted to call you, and you just left." Well, and assumed I wouldn't. I know, yeah. I think she just got so used to... And she also, like... She knows that she's the be- the very best at tennis. Mm-hmm. But I th- I'm i pretty sure I remember her having, like, not the best uh, view of herself. No, no. she Because she, she calls herself goes. ugly all the time in the book. Like, she calls herself unattractive. Um, and she says that throughout the book. And she's... And, and I think because she was quite muscular. And back then, remember, it was, like, most popular for women who were, like, anorexic. Because mm-hmm. what was it? 90s, right? 80s, yeah, 90s? This, well, the comeback was in the 90s. So this would have all been, like, I think late 70s. And then 80s. I don't think it was a 10-year wait. I think it was... I'm going to Google it. Sorry, you keep talking. I can understand her having those walls up when it came to any sort of relationships that happened during yeah. her regular uh, professional tennis career. 
because she's thinking, oh, you know, like, I mean, who would want me for more than just this? But, yeah, she kind of shoots herself in the foot there because, again, with Bo Huntley, yeah, he he wanted to hang out. He wanted to get her number, but... Yeah, Bo really liked her. Yeah, she was, in 1989, she was 31 and she retired. Mm-hmm. And then she came back for 1995. Gotcha. So she was only retired for five years. Um, but yeah, like I think like even if you think of society at that time, her body type would have been the exact opposite of what was popular at the time, which is absolutely insane that women have body types that are popular at certain decades, yeah. but that is real. Like that's actually what it was. So yeah, I think that that also had a lot to do with her image of being this like very strong athlete. Mm-hmm. And that's why she had to keep those those walls up, those defenses up, even when it came to romantic stuff, it totally. seemed. And then, um, so she had that situation with Bo at her, on her, like, regular, when she was the best. And then uh, when she came back, she was partnered up with Bo by her publicist or her manager. I forget what that word is that that, that girl was called. Yeah, just to to hit around. Cause yeah, yeah, because no other female player would play with Carrie. Yeah. Which is wild if you think about it, because they all thought she was, like, far expired. Her coming back into the game, every sportscaster, they called her a bitch. They, they said, why is she coming back? They said awful, awful things about her. And um, nobody believed in Carrie, which made her ironically after she was the best in the world the underdog mm-hmm. which was really interesting and probably why we rooted for her so much oh, we love oh an God, underdog story so um but yeah their relationship starts blossoming first into friendship um i think they're both really honest with each other about their tennis game which helps them i don't think that either of them would have done so well if they hadn't teamed up like well, i think they actually really helped each other and they're both very much in the same position too totally Bo and they're is, both older i don't I don't think Bo was making a comeback himself. He was no, just he like had never on the, left the game. yeah. He was just on the on the outs. He was totally. he was getting older and trying yeah. to change his his own game up and like staying in it. Well, he wanted to have one good last season. Yeah, and yeah, and he resented Carrie for leaving and retiring. Remember, if you remember, the quote is, "You left," he said, his voice rising, and then he shakes his head and laughs at himself. You hurt your knee, you lost a couple of matches, and you gave up. That's what you did. You're saying we're the same, but we're not. I stuck around. I had the guts to try. I had the guts to lose. You you just ran. Well, guess what, Carrie? People are actually playing. People who actually play the game lose. We all lose. We lose all the time, and that is life. So we are not the same. So do I have courage. You're just good at tennis. Oh, damn, Like So baby. their relationship is really interesting because they view the game differently, too. He actually respects the game, and she's just the best like is how it's kind of perceived well i mean that was such a big bit of growth for carrie soto especially at the end how you know spoiler alert she loses at at the end but is still happy is still like glad to have done it yeah exactly that's growth and so much of that must have come from Bo, like showing her hey you know we all we all lose and it's just a it's a part of the game, but you you gave up. Which Bo is honestly for me like the voice of reason in a way. Like Carrie being like, if I lose, it's the absolute worst thing in the world is just like I think that has to do with the you will be the best. Javier putting that into her head at such a young developmental age. And then, I mean, obviously we talked about this, but however, Javier realizes that that was an error. But it's so ingrained in Carrie that she actually loses almost the love for tennis along the way. Whereas Bo hasn't. They're like polar opposites showing you either side of like true athletes in tennis. 
I do wonder too if this is a bit of a gender swap for TJR where it's this yeah fierce main character and then you bring in a romantic interest in this case Bo Huntley mm-hmm. who sees solid name too Bo Huntley yeah, I think about that oh, all the time yeah. who sees the, the game differently <laughs> and like is there to to help carry along her her journey mm-hmm. and like doesn't really have too much of his own thing going on like yeah sure he's he's a famous tennis player he is a famous tennis player but he's i mean like as far as character development and whatever he's he always seemed pretty solid like yeah totally. he's kind of on the outs but he just wants that one last season he just wants one good season of a good and he wants to create good tennis that's mm-hmm. like he genuinely just loves the sport he's not coming back for a glam or a grand slam title like carrie he or did, a record he didn't need to grow in that like he grew in his tennis ability like and but he also carrie, was but... able to let go of the sport at the end because he does retire they both do that's true that's true. But I think um, the fact that he always existed with that love of the game and um, personal acceptance of himself as not being the best anymore yeah. and not needing to be the best, but just wanting to keep doing good tennis. Yeah, I did like that. And I thought that was a good way to put as her equal almost is her opposite. Ah, but yeah. also so similar because they both played tennis at like a professional level. So I just thought that was really creative writing by her. Another relationship I want to talk about is Nikki and Carrie. So when Carrie comes back and she's going after Nikki specifically because Nikki just stole her amount of Grand Slam titles, um, she's coming back to reclaim that record. That's the whole point of her comeback season for her. Um, and she Carrie believes that it's hers. Whereas Nikki's like, nah, girl, I earned this. Like, it's mine. Like, everyone earns a new world record. That's totally. the thing. Like, hey, Carrie, there's someone who had more titles than you prior than you exactly that's not stealing a record but at the same time they both have a point because carrie comes out being like well i i had to do all of this to get you to that point i had to be that like because carrie soto she's a person of color right yes she's she's latina Mm -hmm. latinx how do you say that Latinx, I think, is the, the go. Latin. Anyways, um, but and then Nikki Chan is Asian, and so she comes in, and Nick, Nikki's like, "It's been so much harder for me." And Carrie's like, "What? It was hard for me too." Like they both are very much so, like in that mindset. I'm the best. I have. I'm the only one who struggles. Because I remember they have a conversation. I'm like, "Girls, it's all hard. You're women in sports. Like it's hard for either of you." But um, Carrie thought that she was like that title was hers and then Nikki was like no it's mine and that was their whole battle but the weird part is is this is the first time that Carrie actually makes a friendship with mm-hmm. another player so her and Nikki grab a drink together they like when spoiler but when Carrie's father Javier passes away Nikki is like the first one one of the first ones to text Carrie she's the only other athlete other than Bo who even checks in on her I do wonder too when it comes to Carrie's relationship or friendship or lack thereof mm-hmm. with other um, female professional tennis athletes. Yeah. If it was because she had such a sense of I'm the best, I need to be the best. Yeah. That she almost saw that they were all beneath her in a way. Like she would see these like ranking of like 12 or 13 chumming it up in the in the changing room and being like, oh, Look at these losers. No, I don't think Carrie was an asshole. 
She if was, that's what you're trying I mean, to she say. Was, well, I'm not saying she was an asshole. I'm saying it makes sense for her to become friends with Nikki Chan because there's that same she sees sense her of as an equal? respect there. Interesting. I don't know because she was never nice to Ste- Stepanova. She fucking hated Stepanova and they would have been equal. Stepanova would have been above her. She had more at the time. That's who she took the record from. But I think that Carrie still saw herself as better at tennis well yeah she was (laughs) i don't know i i think that nikki's the first one who had the same attitude as carrie that she was like fuck this men get away with everything but but nikki was slightly more loved by the audience but nikki still was kind of an asshole yeah i feel like um what you said earlier too about uh people of color yeah i saw a tiktok actually on the way in about someone giving flack to taylor jenkins reed or saying that there is being flag being given to Taylor Jenkins Reid for being a white woman for writing um, women of color. She does, because Evelyn Hugo was a woman of color, so was Nina Reba, and then now was Carrie Soto, but um, Daisy jo- Jones wasn't. Yeah. And I don't know, that's hard. I mean, yeah, but it's also kind of like, I feel like Flack would also be given if she only ever write, wrote yeah. white protagonist I was gonna too, say I so. was like I was trying to imagine if all of these characters were white I was like that sounds extremely boring and undiverse for the readers so that's tricky yeah and I don't know I found it I found it interesting that well you're a person of color what do you think of this situation does it bother you that she's writing people of color no I think that an author's job is to inhabit the lives of other people and you know tell their stories yeah it would be a little different if here's like a white woman writing this story about i don't know like a slave's life yeah um and then like getting things wrong and not doing the proper research or even really like doing it at all like is that really your story to tell but when it comes to this kind of a thing i i think it's i think it's okay i think it was it seems a little bit tricky because i've definitely heard that too about taylor jenkins reader i actually forgot until you just brought it up but i have heard people say stuff like that about her and i i mean i'm a white woman i never really know like i feel like it would be it's it's hard like which which way do you go as her like do you do yeah go with no diversity and then I feel like it, no matter what, there's always going to be like some sort of, I don't know. I feel like I'm even struggling with words right now because I don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so was the person um, doing the TikTok and, and saying all this um, in the comments whenever anyone was like, hey, you know, like, uh, I think it's good that there's diversity. Um, the TikToker would just respond and she responded the same thing to multiple <laughs> comments with the same like, oh, hey, you know, like, I'm just I'm just reporting that this is what other people of color, like many people of color seem to be writing in reviews. Yeah. But I was thinking, too, it's like you're only going to hear the um, the vocal people in this and the people the people of color who are OK with a white woman writing a Latina protagonist. Mm-hmm. aren't going to like really say anything about it it's just like oh yeah that's all right yeah but the people who are opposed to it will say something so it is kind of squeaky wheel it is it feels different like for me for the taylor jenkins read books if i was to compare it to a book like american dirt did you ever read american dirt no so it was by uh janine Cumming- cummins who's a white woman the story is about 
this woman who's trying to this Mexican woman who's trying to escape Mexico and the Mexican cartel um, and she's trying to get safely over the border into the states but illegally because she can't be tracked she can't take planes she's doing all these crazy things to try to escape with her son and it's like this really really good story so I read it and I'm like I wonder if this is a true story so I went and looked it up and it's written by some white woman and I was like that see that gave me an uncomfortable feeling because immediately I was like she stole that story from someone a hundred percent no white woman could have written the way that this woman wrote about this experience like it was just so she got absolutely destroyed um about like writing that book but it for some reason I don't know why and I I could be biased because I love Taylor Jenkins read a lot it's just it does not feel the same as that for me like it feels more like she's just being inclusive with her characters while not using their culture as like a main story point for Taylor Jenkins read to write the story about yeah and even in that uh that example too I feel like that that would be all right if it comes from a place of you meet someone who has this amazing story this lived experience Mm -hmm. that you then want to you know use in a book about that to like bring light to that situation but like with the proper credit Mm -hmm. and it's it's kind of like the author lending their uh, writing ability to someone who has this story but doesn't have the ability to tell it. It's complicated. It is very complicated. It's like, yeah, it's one of those things. But with, I feel like we went on a tangent about this, but oh, at okay. the end of the day, this one, this one feels more gray area than black and white for me compared yeah. to other books and other situations. Definitely. In my opinion. Um, to jump back into relationships... Um, should we talk about Javier and Carrie's relationship arc? Because that's throughout the entire book. That's oh, the biggest relationship. Yeah. Obviously, we both love Javier and we love Carrie. Yeah, and I feel like you can't have their relationship without bringing tennis into the picture. Tennis is and the center of it, yeah. the fact that part of the way through her um, her career, he was like, hey, you know, you don't need to be the best. You need to be... Okay, or I guess it was part part of the way through her comeback more. Mm-hmm. Him being like, you've you've proven yourself, you've done so much. I'm so proud of you. You don't have to like win the um, what's it called, the championships or the the, the titles, slams, the yeah. slams, the records. Um, yeah. to like prove that you're awesome, and she's like, she had it in drilled into her head so much that mm-hmm. no, like I I do need to be the best. And I do wonder how much of that, like, is being held on to the fact that your dad told you as a kid, hey, like, we're doing this thing, me and you. Um, this is our bonding experience. And, yeah, you you can be the best, Carrie. Yeah. So I, even, think, I really think he regretted that, though. Oh, absolutely. But, like, yeah. even though he's saying now you don't have to be the best, how much of it is, like, well, for Carrie, oh, I still want to make my dad proud. Yeah. Even though it's the dad of, oh yeah, downtown Vancouver, everybody. Yeah. Even though it's the dad of her childhood, which I think sticks with you a little bit more than, you know, the dad of your adulthood. Yeah. I think uh, 
their relationship was really complicated too because he was her coach and her father and her best friend her only friend like he was literally everything and then Javier had said from a child that she would be the best and then when she didn't deliver she seemed to blame him so then she replaced her father which to me was like such a big betrayal yeah, that's such that a was blow. that was brutal and the way Car- i get that carrie was young but the way that she went up up about it and it was because her father she asked her father if she could be the best and he said i don't know um i can't predict the future like essentially like i don't know what will happen and he wouldn't tell her what she wanted to hear so she dropped him which was crazy because javier cared so much about her i think there was like he said stuff like my heart hurts when your heart no my heart hurts when you hurt because you are my heart or he said oh. something along those lines. Like Javier, Javier was just so sweet. And Javier also kind of got famous. Do you remember that? Yeah, he, like, he, had, he like, wrote a book. A book. Yeah. yeah. So he kind of dealt with fame as well a little bit um, throughout the series. And he handled it really well. He was getting recognizing. And Carrie was, he was very loved and Carrie wasn't. And I also think that when she left to go to the other manager, I do think that there was some jealousy. Because it was around the time when Javier was so popular. He was on late night shows, remember? And she she wasn't because everyone didn't like her but they loved her father oh i forgot about that part so i i do think there was like a little bit of jealousy in that relationship even though it's complicated and it's technically her father and her coach i think there was like that's a bit of it too yeah i think at that point too carrie was probably seeing him more like viewing him more as a coach than as her dad but javier always viewed himself as father first and it is tough, too, for him to have told her as, as a kid. Like, it's easy to tell a kid, like, yeah, you'll be the best if you just train really hard. Because yeah. they're, they're kids, you know? Yeah. But Carrie obviously took that very much to heart. And yeah. then when she asked him again later, <laughs> when she's actually playing and, like, an adult, yeah. and he's like, well, you know, like, there's a lot of variables. Yeah, literally, uh, he wouldn't tell her. I think at that point, too, he also realized that she was taking it. The, it was, like, not healthy, how, like, intense she was about the game. I think he started to see it at that point and was trying to, like, adjust to, like, help his daughter. Because, yeah, like, it, I don't think Carrie ever lost that, like, unhealthy drive for for winning until Javier died. Well, I think, I think a, that was the catalyst that, like... I think it's kind of a larger question when it comes to professional sports and athletes yeah can you get to that place without it being somewhat unhealthy like your drive or you know the amount of life that you put into it and dedication was able to do it i guess but i just think that carrie like yes there has to be a level of unhealthy commitment to the sport where it's like as over what other people put usually into other activities in their normal life but I don't think it needs to be at the level Carrie took it. Yeah, but Bo wasn't the very best. No, that's true. Do you need to take it to that level to be the fucking best? I don't know, Chan. It feels... But anyways, And is it worth it? That's yeah. the, I think, that, I think that's a big question, too. But that's the too. thing is when she lost her father, she, I think that if Javier hadn't died and then she'd still lost to Nikki Chan, I think it would have been a very different outcome if her father had have been alive. I think that her father's death made was like the the what is it called the straw that that broke the camel's back for her to realize there's more to life than tennis yeah but also i love the fact that oh i just got goosebumps because i rethought oh. i thought about it <laughs> the fact that she found his book like not the book that he wrote <gasps> the father's the, book for training yeah for oh. training and so to her it became well now 
like here's me and him together again mm-hmm. i'm gonna go off of his uh suggestions and his training um yeah. oh and it, it it crushed me yeah like, no was, that was and everything he said is carrie can win underlined like he just he did know she could win and like i think that's just it was so sweet i really loved it and i loved their relationship how they were able to heal it mm-hmm. and if it if he wasn't her father i don't think they would have and i do think too that like after he died and she found the book and because remember he died and she was like i'm out like i'm, I'm done yeah. like she went into a bit of a bit of despair fair and then she finds the book and she's like okay i can do this and i think that was the point where she went from i want to do this for the for the legacy i want to do this for to be the very best she did it like for him after yeah. that, and she did it for the game. Yeah, it changed. And that's, that's what I'm why, saying. It was the catalyst. That's why it was okay for her to lose at the end. Yeah, and I think that that was such a character arc. I think that like Taylor Jenkins Reid is great at a good character arc. Like look at Daisy Jones or you know Nina Riva from the previous ones. But Carrie is the most obvious in my opinion because it happens quite quickly at the end. Like she obviously does grow when she has to retire and she has the surgery. There is growth there, but she really grows right after her father dies and um it really does change her character. I think that if she had have had the mentality she had during her final season earlier on in her career, they would have never named her the Battle Axe. She just like had a different energy about it, but she also probably wouldn't have had the drive that she had to become the best. Yeah. It's tricky. It's it's a double ended sword and is it worth it? You're right. Plus I just love the name Battle Axe. Were you surprised when Carrie lost to Nikki or disappointed like how did you feel no as a I reader? kind of expected it to happen I did not I really? thought she, was, thought gonna she was gonna win and then I thought she would retire and just go out and be like oh one key bye nah because she was I, the underdog and she was older I think I maybe maybe to. that's why um maybe it's not just like the sports aspect of it but maybe that's also why um people aren't as into this book because I feel like I I kind of had this hunch that she wasn't gonna win because I know uh-huh. I know sports stories. Yeah. And that's I guess usually so. what happens when but it comes to this. But she made it so far that it was still excellent, though, at her yeah. age. Yeah. But, but for contemporary romance, usually everything works out, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, I was, I was honestly kind of glad that it ended the way that it did. And yeah. it, I think it had to because it had to show that Carrie was okay with that. Yeah. Because she did, she, you know, prove herself. She, did all that but she didn't have the full like i am the best i'm the the world record holder yeah even though it's like you you do that nikki's just gonna go play next season i know that's the thing she would beat her record next season when you can't keep up anymore it's tricky um i did think that it was interesting that they brought in the dynamic this is pre-bo obviously actually it's post and pre-bo but when she has the affair with brandon who is nina riva's husband um from malibu rising when she has the affair that's around the time where she's at her worst too like i think that carrie soto is at the core a really good person and i think that she was raised well by javier Mm -hmm. and i think that without his influence in her life she dates the brandon guy with she has the affair she is like ends up fucking up her knees she becomes like the meanest she's ever been being in the sport but she also becomes the best so she it's like her worst time but then in her mind it was her best because she won 
So it's like kind of interesting there. And then Javier wasn't a part of that. It does make me wonder too, like perhaps she would have been capable of becoming the best and getting there while sticking with Javier. Yeah, I think she could have for sure. But to her, she thinks like, oh, well, I need to be... I think she um, put the blame on him. I need to be the battle axe. I need to be mean. I need to be ruthless to get there. It's like you might have been able to make it there... Yeah. Without all that. Well, I, I think we both know, especially like in real life tennis, that you can be the best and not be acting the way that Carrie did. It's just, I think that Taylor Jenkins Reid was making a point against, I mean, we've talked about it, but women yeah. in sports, which is just everything. Um, I also think this is a really interesting time for us to talk about a woman in sports. Um you know book at the time where right now women's sports is is sometimes being more watched by men's sports in some leagues right now like it's really on an upswing where women are finally getting the getting some credit not the credit they deserve in my opinion they deserve more but they're getting a lot more credit and like even looking at like taylor swift and travis kelsey like he's she's like taking over the sports world right now and she's a woman and it's like disrupting the ecosystem in a way and i'm loving it so having a book that's like about carrie soto and her acting you know kind of mean and and it's making a discussion for you and i to talk about when really like that's not even a thing you know like she can act however the fuck she wants of course you know i love that out of her core four, so Evelyn Hugo, um, Daisy Jones, Malibu, and Carrie Soto, what's your favorite? Will you rank them for me, please? Okay. And thank you. Yes. I will From go least to favorite. Le- least to favorite? Mm-hmm. Um, Malibu Rising. Still okay. love it. It's number four. Gotta be number four. Yeah. Um, Evelyn. Oh. Then Daisy, and then Carrie Soto is back. Whoa. Mine goes Malibu, Daisy Jones, Evelyn, then Carrie Carrie Soto. So it's pretty similar. We've I know, just we just got the swap. middle two swapped. Yeah, which what, is crazy because I don't think the rest of the world will agree with us. What makes Evelyn over Daisy Jones for you? Um, I made that decision because Daisy Jones is, especially the book version, is just a little bit unlikable that I had to put Evelyn above her. Like Oh, I, like the character of Daisy yeah, Jones. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, like, for some reason, when I finished Daisy... I mean, I loved the writing style, though, of that book. But this, for some reason, Daisy Jones just left me with more of a blech feeling than um, Evelyn Hugo did. Which I know, and I think it's a beautiful book, don't get me wrong. But Daisy, like, book Daisy is a fucking mess. And for me, it's just for some reason, I just... And I loved Evelyn. I loved the LGBTQA plus, like, whole you know, theme in Evelyn Hugo. I thought it was it was really well written. And I loved... Um, I just loved that book. Man, I can't. I think for me, so much of uh, these books are about the setting and yeah. they're about the the decade that the they're time in frame, yeah. and the worlds that they inhabit. And I I enjoyed Evelyn Hugo and Malibu Rising a lot, but you loved, I just I just you love music rock too. star seventies yeah. rock yeah tours and and life. Um, like I think it says something about how much I like Carrie Soto that I didn't put Daisy Jones over like as number one. That's how I feel about going over Evelyn. Because I also love books that are, um, I think it's called Epistiary where it's like a different type of narrative. I love that Daisy Jones was through interviews with different people and there were different perspectives and different accounts of what happened. And from that, there is no actual truth 
uh, of what's going on. You have to kind of like figure out what actually happened based on what everyone else is telling you. And no one account is going to be the, the fully correct But that's one. the thing, too, is with Evelyn Hugo, it's you're only getting Evelyn's point of view and everyone else is dead. So who the fuck knows if that's real either? Well, I mean, that's that's kind of the, how most stories are, right? Yeah, like so. we're only seeing Carrie Soto from Carrie Soto's perspective. But it's different. It's different. We're not living it through Evelyn Hugo. We're living it through Monique's eyes. Yeah, we're living. And Evelyn's yeah. telling the story. That's why it's that's why. TJR is a fucking genius. Yeah, I do love that she changes up the narrative style quite a bit. Oh, it's so good. Um, do you think that she's an auto-buy author for you? Like, would you just automatically buy TJR's books oh, going forward? I, I thought you were shortening autobiography, and I'm like, no. wait, what? Like, <laughs> no, like auto-buy. As... Like, will you automatically buy her books? Oh, yeah. At this point, yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm I'm excited to read um, the work that she's done prior to this. I know that they're definitely uh, different genre. I've read yeah. uh, after I do, and I know that there's other ones to get through. Yeah, um, that we should I'm do sure that we'll next season. About. Yeah, yes, definitely. Sure. Um, okay, so is there anything else you want to say before we wrap this guy up? Wrap um, up TJR. Well, it has been lovely to. Oh. <laughs> uh, exist in the tjr universe oh yeah it was so good i love the crossovers of them um yeah you don't see that very often i don't think like when there is crossover there's usually an emily henry which we're talking about next so those are her books i'm pretty sure i don't know if i've ever picked up on that i I, i'm gonna google it because it's i think it's a little bit more subtle but i'm pretty sure there is some crossover but um i just want to say thank you guys for joining us on this episode of read the room um if you enjoyed it please be sure to subscribe and leave us a review uh, your your wow! And don't, don't be as strict as I am with my bookstar reviews. Please leave us five <laughs> oh stars if you enjoyed yeah. us. Be like I am with mine. Everything's five stars. Um, your feedback means everything to us, and it's how we keep this podcast. Go- oh, you, I can't. Um, and just don't forget to connect with is us it, on social media. <laughs> is it really how we keep this podcast going? Because we haven't even started the podcast, so we have no feedback. Yeah, but at all. can we? Keep doing it forever without anyone telling us yeah, if we're, we're just, any good or we're not. We're just doing it for Megan Carly. That's <laughs> true. This one's for Megan Carly. Um, <laughs> we do my, get feedback from them, though. I so. actually told my mom that we were making... Oh, my God. It made me so nervous. I told my mom we were making a podcast, and she was like, I can't wait to listen. And I was like, you have never read any of these books. And she's like, yeah, but I love you. And I was like, uh, well, so my mom's going to be listening too, even though she's never read any of these. My mom definitely will not be listening. She might. You're not going to show her? <laughs> no. Um, okay. Anyway. Anyways, follow us on the social media. Right. We'll uh, do let's this do this again sometime. sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.